You are listening to the Amateur Church Podcast, where we pursue excellence in ministry with the right motivation for the sake of love. I'm Pastor Matt, and I'm so thankful that you are on this disciple's journey with me. This week, we're reading through the book of Job. Job is one of the most interesting books in the Old Testament, one in which has uh, great theological truths for us that we're going to study, but also some great application points for us to learn and apply to be obedient to in our lives. And so I want to walk you through that. I want to remind you, though, as we begin this week, like we do every week, that the Amateur Church Podcast is a call for anyone who is tired of church being a programmed organization. I'm reminded week after week as I stand before the sacred desk and preach the sacred book to a sacred congregation that what we do should be done out of love, not because... uh, not out of uh, our own uh, gain or payment or uh, priority of our title or prestige, but because we love God and we love others. And so thank you for joining me, and I pray that each week that these episodes are an encouragement for you to read through the Word of God with me. Uh, We're uh, in the year, we're on week 22, so we're almost halfway through this year, and we've made it all the way through to the book of Job. And so what can we learn from the book of Job? The, The book of Job Uh, is one of the pieces of wisdom literature found in the middle of the Old Testament, right before the book of Psalms. But chronologically, it takes place in Genesis during the time of the patriarchs. And we see that from the context of the book. So as you read, uh, we we want to look at uh, two very important themes of Job. (coughs) The first theme is the suffering of man. And one of the questions we're going to talk through this week, especially on the apologetic episode, is why does suffering exist? How can God be good if he allows suffering for his people? And so that's going to be a very important question we ask and try to answer uh, based on the, the, the text. The second is the sovereignty of God. That what we'll see in the book is that God is completely sovereign. He is over all things, and this leads us to worship, and we'll see that throughout our time together. So I want to begin, Job chapter 1 verse 1 just simply begins, There was a man in the land of us whose name was Job, and that man was blameless, upright, fearing God, and turning away from evil. And then we find out that Job had uh, seven sons, three daughters, he had a wife, he had a great job, great responsibilities, he owned land, uh, owned servants uh, that, that, uh, that were faithful to him. He had a lot of, of influence in the world, in his world, around him. And all of a sudden, in the first two chapters, we see that Satan comes twice to test Job he, by taking away his health, his family, and ultimately, we see at the uh, at the end of uh, chapter one, it says, "Job arose and tore his robe and shaved his head. He fell to the ground and worshipped." And he said, Naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked I shall return there. The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And through all this, Job did not sin, nor did he blame God. And we're going to see, even in chapter 2, he's put through health issues, and his friends come and sit with him. And then beginning in chapter 3, he and his friends have these uh, sort of really heart-to-heart conversations, uh, and 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 we'll walk through some of that this week of what his friends actually tell him, and and how 
uh, <coughs> the wisdom of those around us uh, is, can be beneficial, but then the criticism of those around us can actually crush us. And so we'll, we'll talk through that. So I want you to see uh, three main aspects of this. First, notice the pain of Job. And I'm really just going to walk you through some verses to, to get a glimpse of what Job actually had to go through. Now, you're not going to read the entire book of Job this week. Uh, but you are going to hit some of the high points to give us kind of an overall view of this. But listen to chapter 2, verse 12. It says, When they lifted up their eyes at a distance, they did not recognize him. They raised their voices and they wept. And each of them tore his robe and they threw dust over their heads towards the sky. So uh, we see that Job is not even recognizable in the midst of his pain. Chapter 3, verse 11, Job cries out mentally. He says, Why did I not die at birth? Come forth from the womb and expire. He just he he curses the day of his very birth. He is that depressed. Look at chapter 6, verse 8. He says, Oh, that my request might come to pass and that God would grant my longing. Would that God were willing to crush me, that he would loose his hand and cut me off. He prays for death, even in the midst of his suffering. Uh, we Many times we are uh, you know, being uh, separated from this text. We don't see the weight of uh, pain that he's in. Notice chapter 7, verse 13. He says, If I say my bed will comfort me, my couch will ease my complaint. Uh, then you will f you frighten me with dreams and terrify me by visions, so that my soul would choose suffocation, death rather than my pains. I waste away. Uh, Job is definitely uh, looking at his life as as futile. Chapter ten, verse twenty. Look at this scripture. He says, uh, "Would he not let my few days alone? Withdraw from me that I may have a little cheer." Before I go and I shall not return to the land of darkness and deep shadow, the land of utter gloom as darkness itself, of deep shadow without order, and which shines as the darkness. He is in this midst of mental and emotional uh, distress. Chapter 14, verse 13. He says, Oh, that you would hide me in Sheol, that you would conceal me until your wrath returns to you, that you would set a limit for me and remember me, if a man dies, will he live again? All the days of my struggle, I will wait until my change comes. Chapter 16, verse 22. Feel the weight of what Job is having to endure here. He says, For when a few years are past, I shall go the way of no return. Oh, that a man might plead with God as a man with his neighbor. Chapter 17. Verse 1, my spirit is broken, my days are extinguished, the grave is ready for me. Surely mockers are with me, and my eye gazes on their provocation. Verse 13, if I look for Sheol as my home, I make my bed in the darkness. If I call to the pit, you are my father, to the worm, my mother and my sister, where now is my hope? And who regards my hope? Will it go down with me to Sheol? Shall we together go down into the dust? And then finally, chapter 19, uh, verse 13. He says, He has removed my brothers far from me, and my acquaintances are completely estranged from me. My relatives have failed, and my intimate friends have forgotten me. Those who live in my house and my maids consider me 
a stranger. I am a foreigner in their sight. And so many times we consider uh, the pain, physical pain, of, of Job. But I want you to understand, based on those scriptures we just read, he is in deep emotional torment and depression. And some of us, we... We think about enduring in the midst of physical pain, but even recently our church has talked through what it looks like for people to endure uh, depression, discouragement, mental anguish, and anxiety. And and so notice the pain, but also notice the people in Job's, Job's life. Um, Job's wife comes to him and says, curse God and die. Uh, he's got guys that come to him, Eliphaz and Bildad and Zophar, who uh, just lay blame at Job. Uh, and and we, we hear testimony of how they say, hey, surely you have done something wrong. Just repent. And, and, uh, and, and and turn back to God. And so Job is facing not only physical, uh, not only relational pain through the death of his children, uh, and his wife faced that very same uh, death of their children. So, so we need to understand that. Uh, but he's being told now, it's your fault. And so Job is really facing so much uh, distress. But then notice that what we're going to see in the midst of the book of Job, three theological truth realities for us in the midst of Job's suffering. Number one, God is present. I I want you to see that, that God is not far away from Job. It seems like that, and we don't know how long this takes place for Job. We don't know between chapter 1 through 38 when God appears, uh, when God talks with him. We have no idea how long this this takes. Uh, It could have been a month. It could have been a year. Uh, We're not sure, but we do know that God never left the scene. God was always present. And though Job had to endure in the midst of this, God said, I will never leave you nor forsake you to his people. And so God's eye was on him. God allowed Satan to, to, to test him. But it's because God had entrusted to Job truth. And we see that truth even declared in Job chapter 19, where Job says, I know that my Redeemer lives. So God is present. Also, God is wise. We're going to talk more about this this week, but God knows all. God is omnipotent, uh, meaning he's sovereign and strong overall, but he's also omniscient. He knows everything. He knows the situations we're in. And God knew Job. And in God's wisdom, he allowed Job to go through this time of testing. We may not understand why all the time, but God allows us to go through times of testing because He is wise. But not only is God present, not only is He wise, but in your life and in Job's life, God is good. And you need to be reminded of that. We learn that as as children, God is great, God is good, but think about it. God truly is great. We see His sovereignty, but He could be a great God and an evil God, but He's not. He's a great God and he's a good God. He provides, even in our pain, uh, his peace. And and God knows what he's doing. And so in that, we see the goodness of God. We see it in Romans chapter 8. All things work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose. We know that God's hand, when, when we can't trace his hand, we can trust his heart that he is good. And so those are the realities we see, but what are the results? Well, if those realities are true, then there are three results we get in the midst of Job's suffering. Job chapter 42, uh, let me take you there at the very end of the book, 
And here's what we find from Job's own mouth. Because it's easy to listen to his friends, his wife, but the man who endured all of this, listen to what, what it says in Job 42, verse 10. It says, The Lord restored the fortunes of Job when he prayed for his friends, and the Lord increased all that Job had twofold. And then all his brothers and sisters and all who had known him before him came to him. They ate bread with him in his house, and they consoled him and comforted for all the adversities that the Lord had brought on him. And each one gave him one piece of money and each a ring of gold. And the Lord blessed the latter days of Job more than uh, his beginning. And then it says in verse 13, he had seven sons and three daughters. We see that Job is blessed with even more. And God actually doubles his children. You say, well, wait, he had seven and three, and now he has seven and three. He didn't double it. Yes, remember, Job lost everything. But Job did not lose his children. He would get to see them again. So he, even his children are doubled in that. Does that, that make sense? And so uh, be reminded of that, that Job does have now 20 children, uh, 10 who had gone on, and yet he would see them again. That's a beautiful picture of resurrection. And you might say, okay, so Job was blessed with more. Uh, but is, is that really the point of the story? And I, I don't think it is. I, I think that even Job's statement reveals that God was doing more than just trying to give him, uh, trying to test him and give him double what he had. Uh, that's not uh, that's not the point. Listen to Job forty-two verse uh, verse one. It says, "Then Job answered the Lord and said, I know that you can do all things, and that no purpose of yours can be thwarted. Who is this that hides counsel without knowledge? Therefore I have declared that which I did not understand, things too wonderful for me, which I did not know. Hear now, and I will speak. I will ask you, and you instruct me. I have heard of you by the hearing of the ear, but now my eyes see you. Therefore I retract, and I repent in dust and ashes. You see, it wasn't just about adding to Job. It was about Job knowing God better. He said, I had first heard of you, but now going through not a mountaintop experience of pleasure, but going through a valley of pain, I see you. I see your hand. I trust you, and I love you more because of it. Faith family, listen to me. I don't understand why we have to go through uh, all the suffering we do. I don't understand everything about God's plan, but I do know this that God desires for us to know Him. And we're going to talk about that more on Wednesday of this week. But God's plan ultimately is relationship with us and, and anything that brings us closer to Him. We want to pray, God, bring it for us. Job knew God better. But I, I'll, I'll share with you. One of the most encouraging statements in the book of Job is found in the very middle. It's Job chapter 19. And listen to verse 23. He says, Oh, that my words were written, oh, that they were inscribed in a book, that with an iron stylus and lead they were engraved in the rock forever. As for me, I know that my Redeemer lives, and at the last he will take his stand on the earth. Here's the truth. Three results in the midst of Job's suffering. During his life, he was blessed with even more. He knew God better. But I believe that there was a day that would come where he got to see Jesus face to face. And the truth is that the present sufferings of this world cannot compare to the glories of heaven. Why? Because of our relationship with Jesus. And in your suffering, remember, God is present, God is wise, God is good, 
And one day, Revelation 22 verse 5 says, we will get to see him face to face. As we close out today, my prayer point for this week would simply be consider those who are suffering and in, in, in the midst of their suffering, reach out. And maybe you are suffering, and, and I pray that you would take time and, and ask God to show you how you can endure and how you can trust Him more. But think of those who might be suffering right now. Reach out to them and, and don't uh, go after, after them and try to explain all the reasons they might be going through suffering. Don't take that uh, example from the friends of Job, but simply be a presence and love them in the midst of it. Sit with them, cry with them, pray with them, but ultimately show them the grace and the mercy of Jesus Christ. And if we'll pray during their time of suffering, God will show up and help shine the gospel. I love you. I'm praying for you. Stakes in the ground.